0: hello hello we're both wearing white today
1: Ooh, we are sort of matching welcome to the next episode of the brew in the box podcast mm-hmm. today we're featuring our vitamin k2 plus d3 you've heard me talk about this one before if it's possible to have a favorite vitamin k2 is my favorite mm. vitamin um it does so many different things we've talked about it from the perspective of like bone health dental health the growth of like facial structure in kids um One of the other things that vitamin K2 does is it regulates the function of a hormone called osteocalcin that's produced from your bones. Um, Osteocalcin and vitamin K2 increase the expression of an enzyme that converts cholesterol to pregnenolone.
0: (laughs) 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 Pregnenolone.
1: Pregnenolone. That's hard (laughs) to say. Uh, Which is the base of all your sex hormones. So testosterone, estrogen, all those kinds of things, anyone interested in your physical fitness would want to maintain a good level of testosterone in both men and women. Women have much less than men, but, um, healthy testosterone levels are still super important for women as well. Um, people that have a gene defect in their, in their osteocalcin system will end up with like hyperinsulinemia, like too much insulin in their blood. Um, glucose intolerance, like the inability to, to deal with glucose properly after a meal, because their insulin system is whack, uh, low testosterone and usually obesity follows with that too. So vitamin K2 supports a whole host of metabolic health things too, that help you maintain low insulin levels, um, maintain like proper conversion of cholesterol to your sex hormones, support like good muscle growth, therefore from like healthy testosterone levels. So I love vitamin K2 because it does so many things. Mm -hmm. It's not just like a, a single effect kind of thing.
0: Cool. Sounds like a steroid. <laughs> I mean,
1: it is uh, supportive of your health and fitness, of your metabolic okay. health, for sure. So today we're going to start on a journey, one of many, talking about nutrition. Yeah. One of my favorite topics. What? What?
0: <laughs> but we never talk about nutrition. If
1: you've met me for five minutes, you know <laughs> one of my favorite things is talking about uh, nutrition yeah. and food. Yeah. And you, more than anybody, have to listen to me yammer mm. on about it. Yeah. the time yeah. (laughs) maybe we should do a whole podcast on what it's like to live with me (laughs)
0: learning five dollar words with (laughs) jocelyn riley
1: so in the like original writings on the methodology of crossfit there is the theoretical hierarchy of the development of an athlete and at the base of this pyramid is nutrition yeah so we're going to talk about it from that perspective that nutrition is the base on which you build everything else metabolic conditioning, gymnastics, weightlifting, and throwing and sport. Everything else layers on top of what you're doing.
0: And in the most simple version, it's as easy as thinking it is. You're going to eat three to five times a day. You're going to work out three to five times a week. So you have way more opportunity to improve or ruin otherwise hard work um, Mm -hmm. with your day-to-day nutrition habits.
1: In the 13 and whatever years we've been doing this, I have never once met an athlete that can out-train a bad diet. Yeah, it doesn't happen you can't and do you,
0: it like you even hear stories about like the michael phelps diet or whatever right but like that wasn't a healthy pursuit yeah. right like he wasn't he like pre-diabetic or something at one point where they were like super concerned with her with his blood markers and yeah. he ended up changing it and not eating like eating a ton of food to support his exercise but way more healthy food and it yeah. like greatly improved his quality of his life
1: yeah health and pursuit of very elite high level fitness can be at odds. Yeah. Those two things for, for sure. sure. So we're going to take a little journey back through kind of like what we've done, what we've experimented with, what we kind of like little nuggets of what we learned along the way and yeah. then how we ended up at like this current point right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in previous episodes, we've talked about like our history and how we met and kind of where we were at. We were doing like bodybuilding type stuff. Yeah. So that was kind of like where it started for me um, when I was still living in Halifax I was in grad school, thought, oh, I should get fit, lose some weight, get skinny, whatever. Yeah. I was like 20 or 21. Started um looking a lot at like kind of bro science information on like bodybuilding.com. And they used to have a very active, maybe they still do, I don't know, Probably. very active forum section where people could like message and post things. And so I at back at at that point became a very active participant on the forums on bodybuilding.com. And it was mm-hmm. very collaborative back then. It was kind of neat. Um People would share what they were doing and their meal plans and their macros and help each other out. And so that was like the first, you know, sort of like dipping my toe in the world of nutrition. I used to like post my stuff and collaborate with other people quite a bit. I was quite active on that Mm -hmm. back. That would have been like 2005. Yeah,
0: this was before we met. Yeah. And while you were doing that, I was eating restaurant food <laughs> and drinking pop and iced tea. And I talked about this in another podcast, but my boss at one point sat me down and was like, I oh, know it's tough, man. You're getting chubby and everything. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? So I tried the, I started by trying the uh, good old American diet of fast food, takeout restaurants and pop. <laughs> and a uh, study of one for? didn't work out very well. So when you and I first met is when we were mostly doing the like traditional like bodybuilder kind of diet.
1: Yeah. And you were kind of doing a pretty low fat thing, right? Like at one point you had done a very low fat diet, right?
0: Yeah. Cause I, I, that was like what I grew up with. Like I remember being in high school and we would go and get snacks for like watching a movie, me Mm -hmm. and my friends. And I would get a bag of like five cent candies and like eat, hundred of these stupid things and, they're low fat. and be like it's low fat so it's fine. And my <laughs> I remember my one buddy be like, but like what about all the sugar? And I was like, sugar doesn't matter. It's just about the fat. <laughs> like that's what we grew up with, right? Yeah. Like that's what what we were told. So for me I remember when we first started dating and we were messaging messaging each other and you were like what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm just making dinner. And you're like, Oh, what are you making? I was like, steamed broccoli and chicken. And you're like, I love you. Do you want to get married? <laughs> that's true. I just <laughs> this, be- this is before we had ever met. And I was like, okay, cool.
1: I came on with like an aggressive approach. You did. I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we did get married. So. Yeah. It worked yeah. out. It worked out. Good job with your chicken and broccoli yes, back then. Yes. Thank
0: you. I knew that was, that's what all the girls were going for. Like, <laughs> are you into chicken and broccoli? <sniffs> Done deal. Let's get married. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was super low fat back then. or well, I was trying to, when I was, when I was like trying to get out of my chubby phase and trying to get healthy um yeah it was super low fat plain
1: chicken breast and broccoli that was like the thing yeah. right and i couldn't cook for shit here, so <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was about all i had yeah so then like the early days of crossfit it was all about paleo yeah which was a, a well-founded attempt to match the way that humans eat now with mm-hmm. the way we've always eaten yeah and evolutionary consistent ancestrally appropriate genetically congruent way of eating yeah so it was kind of this method of thinking about food and like what what would we have eaten under natural conditions for most of our evolutionary history and how how are we at such a mismatch right now with like the modern mm-hmm. food system so like the advent of agriculture happened at its earliest ten thousand years ago on the time scale of human evolution it's like a teeny tiny fraction of time so yeah you could think of of a grain-based diet being the ultimate fad diet, it's it's just like a it's a brand new fad yeah. eating bread and grains and that kind of stuff in terms of the full multi you know million-year evolutionary timescale. Yeah. So we did the paleo thing. At that point, I had a recipe blog mm-hmm. called Cave Girl in the Kitchen. It's still up. Yeah. There's still a bunch of good recipes in there. Still reference them. Um, so I kind of like always had this. I always enjoyed, like, sort of posting and interacting with other people and learning about nutrition and stuff. Yeah. Um, along with paleo in those early days of CrossFit was The Zone. Yeah. Which was we tried a, that a, a way a to quantify how much of something you were eating. Yeah. So paleo was about what you were eating. So it was, like, um, no grains, no dairy, no beans, no legumes, uh, no vegetables, no sugar, yeah. no processed food, no unnatural foods. And it was all um, not necessarily low-carb, but lower-carb than, like, a standard American mm-hmm. diet. But yep. you could still eat, like... Sweet potatoes and fruit and, um, you know, meat and fat and coconut oil and nuts and seeds and like yeah. more natural whole unprocessed foods. Yeah. The zone was what you would layer in with that to quantify how much. So the zone was before the days of having apps and things that made it easy to look up the macronutrients in your food. A zone block was a way to quantify a supposedly hormonally balanced macronutrient ratio of 40% carbs, 30% protein, 30% fat. Yeah. Right. And they tried to make it pretty simple. You would get a certain number of blocks per day. And they have this little chart. It's in the CrossFit Level 1 manual. And they would go by like your t-shirt size. You'd be like small female or large male or whatever, and they would give you a number of blocks, and you could you could scatter them through three meals a day or five meals a day or however you wanted to to do it. It's a very low calorie diet yeah, though. Yeah. It was
0: a shockingly Auto. small amount <laughs> a shockingly of food. Small amount of food. Yeah.
1: As a small female, following my original block prescription, I was it was like nine hundred and twenty calories a day. Yeah. Which I was like catatonic on the floor. Like <laughs> I like can't function yeah. on that amount of food. So then what all the CrossFitters would do was up the fat blocks. So you wouldn't multiply the total amount of food, you would just add more fat. So you would go two times the fat then three, then four, then five times the fat until you found an amount of food where you felt good and you you didn't feel depleted anymore.
0: I remember being at our level one seminar and (coughs) Rob, what's his last name? Rob Wolf was doing the nutrition talk and they were talking about the zone diet. And so many people were like putting up their hand and saying like, it's just, it's not enough food. And how do I like feel better and get through this? Cause it really was like very, very small amount of food for an athletic guy or girl or whoever, mm-hmm. and everybody just felt like, I think a lot of people anyways felt really hungry and really, like, depleted. And he, would like, had to talk to so many people specifically, and his number one thing was just, yeah, you got to up the fat or you can, like, decrease the amount of carbs and, like, quadruple or quintuple the amount of fat or mm-hmm. whatever. And the more we kind of looked at it, the more we were like, well, if you have to adjust everything, then it's not really a working thing. like the zone anymore yeah
1: but what i mean if we kind of look back on like oh what were the little like nuggets that you kind of pick up along the way or the Mm -hmm. things we should have noticed at the time um i felt way better eating way more fat when i got up to five times the fat blocks was when i finally i felt good and fueled and satiated and stuff so um came from a good place as did the paleo thing of like hey eat real food and hey maybe quantify how much of your food you're eating yeah um the world of paleo went a little off the deep end. Yeah. Where people would wig out on, like, was that one teaspoon of soya sauce paleo? <laughs> or then, like, the companies got involved and mm. were selling paleo treats. And yeah. it's like, mm, I feel like we sort of lost the point of like eating real whole unprocessed foods. Just because you made paleo fudge yeah. and it was coconut oil and honey doesn't mean it's not still a totally unnatural food it may as well just be butter and sugar like yeah um kind of i call it loopholers people that will take a prescription for a diet and go how could i manipulate this into just eating junk food mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's like paleo brownies and paleo cookies and paleo, like yeah you know so we kind of got away from from that like specifically paleo world when everything got a little a little wacky yeah tainted yeah
0: um you yeah. know yeah, so in the process of doing some like playing around with paleo and zone for me personally I started getting real small. Yeah. I remember getting down, I'm pretty sure I got down below 160 at one point. Oh my god. Yeah. At six feet tall. I was like, I think I, I hit like 159 and was like, okay, this is this is getting out of control. Um so I started trying the the go the gallon of milk a day thing.
1: So body type, you're like a hard hard game, They would call you. Yeah,
0: I'm not tall and particularly. I'm not dummy thick. (laughs) Is
1: that gonna come up on every episode? I am (laughs) apparently.
0: I'm not dummy thick. Uh, Skinny little chicken legs. So I I was everybody on like a lot of the powerlifting forums and stuff are like, Oh yeah, a gallon of milk a day, it's like great, it's like the perfect macronutrient profile and it's like baby animals get big by drinking milk and you're a baby animal, you need to get bigger. So I was like, Okay, i give it a shot. It's
1: like a cheap way for a lot of calories. To yeah. A gallon of milk's like four or five bucks. Yeah. Protein, carbs, fat, the, you know, spikes, whole, whole like whole milk. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 3. Homogenized or whatever yeah, they call it. Three
1: point two five percent. Yeah. 3.25%. Um milk particularly like some of the dairy proteins and dairy fats like increase your growth factors because it's meant to make a baby cow into a big cow right um so yeah it's it's yeah. an easy cheap way to gain
0: a lot of weight so i tried that for a while and fortunately like i used to drink a lot of milk when i was younger so i i did enjoy milk and i actually like got to the point like you ease into it right you, you don't start with a gallon on your first day you start with like a liter and then the next week you do two liters and then the next week you do three and then eventually you're doing a gallon a day and I got to the point where I loved it. I like looked forward to my milk. It was great. <laughs> and, then, and then it started working and not in the best way. I was gaining <laughs> weight for sure. But like, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was just shredded and, you know, gaining 20 pounds of muscle. It was like, I was chubbing up and like I was getting heavy all the way around. Yeah. yeah. So my lifts started going up and I was like, okay, I get why power are doing this because my lifts were getting better and I was gaining size and, and all that. But, um, my pull-ups went to shit and I couldn't run. And it was just like, I was sacrificing a lot of the stuff I was good at to get a little bit better at the stuff that I was bad at. And I got to the point where I was like, ah, this isn't maintainable. I'm not going to do this anymore. And mm-hmm. so I stopped. That was short lived. It was maybe a couple of months.
1: Yeah. You did get bigger though.
0: I did get a lot bigger.
1: Thicker. Yeah. Not quite dummy thick. Not but... quite dummy
0: thick still.
1: So in those like kind of competitive CrossFit days when I was doing weightlifting and, you know, going to regionals and all that kind of stuff, I did loosely a program called carb backloading, which was like this ebook that was circulating around. I can't remember the author's name. I'd have to remember either. I did that as well. So it was the basic premise was you would, you kind of had a fasting window. Yeah. Wouldn't eat breakfast. You would eat protein and fat all day long. And then after your training session, you would carb up. So yeah. carb backloading. So you would backload after training yeah. with like higher glycemic carbs to try to spike your insulin and replenish your glycogen and help with your muscle growth and repair mm-hmm. and recovery and all that kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: He wanted it to be like donuts and candy and like super high glycemic stuff. So you could like get all that fuel and immediately reach feel the muscles. And then it would like come crashing back down again so that, through the night when you were sleeping, your HGH levels would go back to normal and you were able to like still benefit from the hormones mm-hmm. of not eating. Um, so yeah, we did that for a little while.
1: And it, I mean, I will say in some respect, it was very successful. I got yep. quite strong. I performed well.
0: Yeah. Um, I was pretty lean when I was doing that too. Like yeah. I wasn't like gaining size like crazy or anything, but I, I, I was leaning out for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I took the carb part of the carb backloading probably to more of an extreme degree than was originally <laughs> intended by, uh, by the author of the book. Yeah. It basically gave me like a borderline disordered eating kind yeah. of system where it was like... I got to... I would say qu- to be quite a sugar addict during those years where it was like I could hold out during the day. Yeah. And then I would like...
0: We'd go crazy. I
1: would go crazy every night. To, here's how bad it got. I knew the convenience stores like near our house and near the gym and I would rotate which ones I would stop and buy five cent candies at like after my training sessions but it got so bad that like the guys that worked at the convenience store like recognized me and you sometimes (laughs) too and they were like uh, like every day like buying more candy and they were like
0: like, yeah
1: do you want me to call somebody like are you okay (laughs) you know so and it you know reflecting back on that if you replace that sugar with like say alcohol where you're like, man, I can't wait to like get Mm -hmm. home and drink tonight. Like, Oh, I'm just holding out all day till I can have my drink. Yeah. Like that would be a red flag, right? We would all recognize that as like a very disordered dependence on, on something. And it, it got to be very much like that with, with uh, the carb backloading the sugar part of that.
0: And I think it like, it served a purpose in that, you know, it was a way to like do some fasting and stay relatively low carb. But I think, just the, like, open the floodgates at the end of the day, it just made it, a, like, something you couldn't do for the rest of your life. You know, yeah. I can't imagine being, like, a 60-year-old person and crushing a bunch of candy after a well, workout, you know. I just yeah. I can't imagine that being, like, a lifelong endeavor. Yeah. Um, who knows what the health consequences would have been. Yeah.
1: So I was very strong during yeah. those years, performed well, but I, every, I was constantly gaining weight. It was, like, a slow but increasing trajectory of getting heavier and heavier and heavier. I went up a weight class yeah, once or twice while doing weightlifting. Every time the weight cuts got harder, it got harder and harder to take the weight off. Yeah, um, Up to the point that like up until like my last competition before I had Dash, I was like the heaviest I've ever been in my life. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, eh. Yeah. You know, it allowed me to maybe like push the limits and PR some of those lifts and stuff in a way that's like cool. And I'm, you know, I'm glad I did it. But like you said, not not sustainable
0: yeah and I think it could be like a like for a super high level athlete like it could be a reasonable thing to do but as far as like longevity is concerned just like the amount of like freaking crazy sugar and stuff that Mm -hmm. we consume like that was the bad part and that was on us that was us just like taking advantage of taking it too
1: far yeah I guess I'm like I not a great moderator like I would have trouble having like an appropriate amount of sugar refueling and not just going crazy with it like it's kind of it's dysregulates my appetite in a way that, like, there isn't a moderate middle ground. I
0: remember him clarifying in the book as well. He's like, now, remember, he's like, this only works if you train really hard, really (laughs) heavy, and then you, like, carb up afterwards. He's like, I've had women who just, like, do some cleaning. They vacuum their house, and then they think they can carb up after that. He's like, that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) You need to lift heavy late at night and then hit the carbs and then
1: refuel. Yeah. So we played with that. And then... 2016 had dash Old dash man that put the whole intel the you know competitive training hard pursuit of that stuff
0: yeah
1: um i had a super rough pregnancy and a rough recovery and yeah from c-section all that kind of stuff so it was just like a it's like a big reset button on the yeah. whole thing my fitness sucked anyway at the time when i was trying to get it back together after being pregnant with him so it just seemed like a decent opportunity to try something different and mm-hmm. Um, had nothing on the line, no competitions coming up, nothing that mattered. I was like, oh, I'll try something different. So I went from, I used to always train in the evening, which worked well with car backloading to, I was training in the morning. This yep. is like sort of a, um, to accommodate the baby's schedule. Wasn't really loving training fasted at the time. Um, but not feeling like I wanted to eat before working mm-hmm. out. Like I didn't want a big meal in my stomach. So I was reading about this bulletproof coffee thing. I was not a coffee drinker, made it all the way to my mid thirties without ever, um, being a coffee drinker. But I was like, well, like you just read all these things are raving about it. I was like, well, maybe that seems like the kind of thing I could do to get like a little bit of fuel in me before I work out, but not like a big, heavy meal. Mm -hmm. It was almost five years ago. That's where this current trajectory started was this bulletproof coffee thing. So butter MCT oil in the coffee in the morning. I still do not love the taste of coffee, Mm -hmm. but I learned to choke it down (laughs) basically. All
0: the coffee lovers are just shaking their head right now.
1: Yeah. um, And so I've always been like a person that's had this annoying quality of like, I have to know why. Yeah. If you tell me something, I need to know why. And for as long as I can remember back to like high school math class, like calculus, I remember making my teacher explain like why do these formulas work like this and he probably was annoyed and had to like explain things to me more than other people but then once I got it then I just I got it and I could answer every question correctly every time because I just understood the 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 what was happening and not just from like a memorization standpoint so that's just always been how my brain works yeah and so Started, like, what is with this Bulletproof Coffee thing? And people talk about, like, mental clarity and appetite suppression and all this stuff. And I was like, why? Like, needed Mm -hmm. to know why. So started down that rabbit hole of what is ketosis, nutritional ketosis.
0: Yeah.
1: started reading about the ketogenic diet. um, And then that was kind of where it started with me. I went like, well, let's give this a whirl. Mm -hmm. I very much for years had bought into the dogma that athletes need carbs to perform. Yeah. I even remember during my competitive years doing carb backloading, I fully remember saying this to someone where I was like, man, if I wasn't like competing in CrossFit, I would never eat carbs. It's like, I knew I felt better eating protein and fat, but just bought it hook, line and sinker. They're like, well, you just need carbs to perform. And I just, at that time hadn't questioned it yet, but there mm-hmm. was little like nuggets along the way mm-hmm. where I could have clued in. When I was doing bodybuilding the last couple weeks of, the bodybuilding diet, the 16 week cut was like no carbs at all. It was like protein and fat. I was eating like Turkey burgers, avocados and like Udo's oil. It like an omega three, six, nine. I remember my trainer at the time looking at me like, how are you doing? You feeling okay? And I was like, I feel awesome. And they were like, Oh, well that's good. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I, the weeks leading up to that with a moderate amount of carbs, I just felt terrible and hungry and bitchy and everything. And those last couple of weeks, I was like, I feel amazing. Yeah. So that was clue number one. When doing the zone, when I got up to five times the fat blocks, that's when I finally felt good. Yeah. And if you start to look at those macros, it's closer to a like low carb ketogenic kind of proportion, way more fat mm-hmm. than carbs. So then started playing around with, with keto. So this was 20 January of like 2017. So almost five years ago, pretty much five years ago. Um, and it was it was just starting to like hit the sort of mainstream thing of people using the word keto or understanding understanding what that means. Yeah. But as far as like doing a high intensity sport like CrossFit, it was like not what you do. It was very yeah controversial. People immediately dismissed it as like heretical to say that you could do something like a high intensity sport like CrossFit, a glycolytic sport, without eating a lot of carbs. Yeah. That was the point where I started the keto athlete on Instagram because I just I would get these like. You don't eat carbs? What like, what do you eat? And I was like, well, like normal stuff. It's like, I'll just show you what I eat then. So I would post about, you know, what yeah. I was eating and um start people would say things like, Well, you're gonna, you know, it's bad for your bones, or like it's bad for your blood markers, you're gonna have a heart attack. And so I was like, Well, I can just check those things. Mm-hmm. And so then I would go get all these tests and scans and kind of nerd out on the data and I would share it with people and I would go like nope, I have a DEXA scan my bone density is great thanks yeah. and have some blood work done and go like uh, no my I have like no inflammation and good insulin sensitivity and yeah. good HBA1C and like all oh, my blood works great right like to just try to break down a lot of those um incorrect assumptions that people have those reflexive like well that must be bad yeah and I think so I Started just sharing information yeah and
0: And I basically just do whatever you do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You live with me and I do all the cooking. So whatever I'm making is what you're eating.
0: Yeah. So when you first started getting really into it, I also wasn't working out very well. We had some rough patches when the the baby came and stuff. Yeah. As part of our getting our lives together, we we both started doing a little bit. Mm -hmm. You were more of the like source of knowledge and I just sort of was your guinea pig and
1: Thanks for that. Yeah. Go along with everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, took like the framework of a ketogenic diet, which is, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to interpret that, but like low carb, high fat, moderate protein. Yeah. Lots of people argue this is keto. That's not keto, whatever, whatever. A ketogenic diet is anything that allows your liver to produce ketones. Yeah. The end. Yeah. That's it. Some people will be like, A ketogenic diet has to be under 25 grams of carbs a day or it has to be less than 5% carbs or it has to be this or it has to be that it doesn't nope yeah it doesn't have to be anything other than a way of eating that allows your liver to produce ketones yeah ketogenic means creation of ketones genesis yeah that's it so we've played with lots of different variations of ways that get you to that end state of running largely on Fatty acids, ketone a ketones, a breakdown product of a fatty acid, replaces glucose as your primary energy source.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's something that has to be adapted. It takes some time.
1: Takes some time, and it depends how bad your diet has been leading up to it. Yeah. How hooked you've been on processed food or eating carbs yeah. every day or every couple hours all day long, like you know, mm-hmm. it's getting getting yourself off. Yeah. Off the junk. And like the, the, drugs. Co-
0: <laughs> the cool thing about keto is that you can test to see if it's working or not Mm -hmm. right like there's little testing strips you prick your finger and do the blood test and it'll tell you if there's ketones present in in your blood so it's one of the few or only diets where you can be like yep i'm where i need to be or nope i need to switch something up or or whatever
1: it's the only diet with a blood marker of compliance yeah so in other ways people can kind of fool themselves of Mm -hmm. like i'm doing a low calorie diet and then they're totally not logging in their food log like that yeah 330 calorie frappuccino you had from starbucks they're like oh i just forgot about that one yeah so it's like it's uh, much less subject to the fallibility of human recollection and honesty mm. and ability to fool ourselves it's yeah. like listen man there's ketones in your blood or there isn't and yeah you know you got to be honest with yourself about why or why not yeah. <laughs> right? no so, there's no uh lying to yourself there's no cheating with that yeah
0: one. so the pursuit of knowledge in nutrition and keto and all this sort of became a major hobby of yours. Mm -hmm. And then now that's turned into something quite a bit more than just a hobby. I guess it's just a hobby, but (laughs) you're sure you're sure diving in with two feet.
1: Yeah. So it it just became a thing. I was reading books and papers, scientific papers, nonstop all the time time. in my free time. So that was doing for fun. Cause I just had that need to know why. And there's so much interesting information out there. Um, And so much of it is contradictory to like the standard mainstream advice. And then you go, Oh, well it's no wonder that most diets don't work. And it's no wonder that 88% of people are metabolically unhealthy. And it's no wonder that, Mm -hmm. you know, like nothing is really going very well nutritionally for people. And even when people do decide to like get their lives together and eat better, the, the dietary advice they're being fed is just garbage Yeah, and then they're not successful and then no kidding. And then they, you know, yeah. they don't stick with things cause they can't and they're being fed all this awful advice. Right. Um, so it just got to the point that I had a, a, accumulated enough knowledge and clearly with the passionate interest for it that, um, people were like, you should really do something with this. Yeah. <laughs> so it was with some, you know, gentle prodding and pushing from, you know, some of our friends and mm-hmm. people in our lives that I was like, maybe I should do something with this. Yeah. So I am now, uh, 38 years old and back in school.
0: <laughs> I pack her lunch every day. It's Lunchables to go
1: to my. <laughs> <laughs> it's Lunchables. <laughs> it's crackers and processed meat. Yeah, right? yeah, and Oreos and Oreos. Oreos in yeah. that now. Just kidding. Um. So yeah, I'm doing a master's of science degree in human nutrition. I looked around at different programs and what were my options and. Um, certainly a lot of mainstream nutrition education is really plagued with a lot of bad science and bad information. So I wasn't super keen on, Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to pursue the knowledge to a higher level, but I wasn't interested in being fed like the standard Canada food guide for food groups, like, um, standard terrible advice that's just fed to you from the processed food industry. They just pay for (laughs) a whole different topic. Um, so I was very selective and in what program I wanted to, to look for. Um, and also needed the flexibility of being an adult with a job, um, not being able to like go sit in a yeah. in physically present in a lecture hall. Unfortunately, the local program here is, is not good. Um, even if I wanted to, to do it here. Um, so found this one that's fully online, asynchronous, meaning you can watch the lectures whenever you want. Um, so it gives you lots of flexibility fully online. Yeah. Um, has the graduate level prerequisite courses built into it. I don't have a previous degree in a science related field. We talked to one of the other episodes. I have a bachelor of commerce and an MBA. So mm-hmm. big old math nerd and finance and stuff, but not a lot in the sciences. So yeah. um, this, another plus of this program was they built in the prerequisite courses as part of it,
0: which is cool. Yeah. Cool. You're learning about food. Yeah. Biochemistry. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's really, uh, it's really interesting. This program that I'm in tracks to write what's called a certified nutrition specialist licensing exam at the end, um, not a registered dietitian, mm-hmm. which was um, something that I was very adamant about. I did not want to go into dietetics, especially through the American system, which is just plagued with bad science um, right. that goes all the way back to like when it was founded in the early 1900s, like um, very just
0: dis- founded by Coca-Cola back in the <laughs> <day.
1: laughs> founded by like. Um, Harvey Kellogg and his like mm-hmm. nutritional evangelists. And um, anyway, that's a well, whole, that's a whole separate, that's podcast. a whole other thing, the history Heck. of where that industry came from, but uh, definitely did not want to go through the American Academy of dietetics or um, whatever. It's got some other name now. Mm-hmm. So certified nutrition specialist would be the licensing exam. I'd be able to write at the end. There's subspecialties in there. Um, I could, if I wanted to be a certified ketogenic nutrition specialist, which would have me licensed to be able to prescribe, um, nutritional interventions for like kids with treatment re- or drug resi- resistant epilepsy, mm-hmm. ketogenic diets, like the most effective approach to treat childhood epilepsy in particular. Um, so it leaves a lot of doors open of things I can do and yeah, we'll see. I don't have any plans to like change jobs or yeah. whatever. I just, uh,
0: you just love the pursuit of knowledge. I right? just like learning. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So in all of this, we've, we've been doing the same thing for a while now. So I guess let's talk about like, what is a day in the life of a
1: day in the life of day in the life of us, a graduate nutrition student and the guy who lives with her, what do we eat? <laughs> <laughs> I've done lots of nutrition seminars, nutrition one one and mm-hmm. talking about like what to eat and what not to eat and how to set yourself up for success and everything. But like yeah. literally the day to day of what do we eat? And, I feel like you and I make a good representative because our, our body types are different. We're mm-hmm. fairly opposite from each other. Right. Um, I could throw a dummy pick <laughs> in there again, but thicc. I'm not going to. I think you just did. damn it. Listen here, chicken legs. So it's very desirable among the <laughs> female population. <laughs> we have the opposite. <laughs> okay, so a day in the life. Um, let's start with like the timing. Yeah. A good habit that anybody can do, regardless of what nutrition, mm-hmm style you choose to use when you do eat is to give it a rest Yeah, to have there be at a minimum 12 hours between your last meal the night before and your first calories the next Mm -hmm. day. Um, I try to stretch that longer. If I'm done eating at like seven or eight, I don't have my first calories until 10 30 or 11. Yeah. So I try to stretch that window a little longer. Um, when I wake up, one of my goals is I try to drink 20 ounces of water before Anything else. Right. So I try to just focus on drinking water. And then lately I've been adding two grams of, of salt, of NACL at that time. So right. two sodium salt tablets um, to hydrate in the morning. Right. Otherwise I'll like forget to drink water Yeah. all day.
0: Yeah. So I, before recently I was, um, I would get up and make my coffee, my Bulletproof coffee. Mm-hmm. So that would be around eight or somewhere between eight and nine. But then you and I have been talking more about... Uh, increasing the fasting window to get the full benefit of it. Mm-hmm. So I was definitely like, I was definitely 12 hours of fasting, but we're going to experiment with a little bit more. So now I'm also postponing my my coffee till about 10. Yeah. Um, for me, if I have coffee after about noon, I can't sleep. And I like to like slowly sip on my coffee because I really enjoy it. It's like my favorite part of the day is get up and make my coffee. And I'm not like you in that I love coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm now starting again at about ten. Um, it's ten thirty today, and then I drink my coffee between ten and noon. My coffee, I do like you know, I don't even know how much that is. I don't weigh or measure, but like Buff that much butter, fifteen grams. Fit, sure, fifteen grams based on Jocelyn's looking at my <laughs> yeah. fifteen grams of butter. I do what is that like a, two tablespoons of the MCT oil. I put um, collagen the Brio collagen in my coffee and then stearic acid as well. I'll Mm -hmm. put a tablespoon or a tablespoon and a half of that in there and then blend it up. And I, I sip on that in the morning.
1: Yeah. So my ratio is pretty much the same. I do 10 grams of butter, not quite as much, Mm -hmm. two tablespoons of MCT oil, um, 10 grams of our Brio plus collagen, the classified collagen, and then five or so grams of stearic acid. So stearic acid is an 18 carbon chain, um, saturated fat. Yep. Has all kinds of beneficial effects on, Increasing metabolism, um, increasing like lipolysis, which is the breakdown of your fat. So it helps you like liberate fat from your fat tissue, suppresses appetite, um, has all kinds of beneficial effects, even in potentially lowering cholesterol, which is kind of, um, the opposite effect of people always say saturated fat raises cholesterol, but there are particular types of saturated fat. There's all different chain lengths of the molecule and steric acid is one that has a beneficial effect. Mm -hmm. Um, MCT oil.
0: I was going to say it's fire in the bottle as well. Yeah. I
1: get it from a place called fire in the bottle.
0: Yeah, um, can read more about that.
1: Yeah. Oh, he's a uh, Brad over at fire in has a treasure trove of biochemical information on all of the metabolic pathways and how all that stuff works. Like just super fascinating stuff. If you like to, mm. to like take a deep dive. Yeah. Nerd out on that. Um, MCT oil, medium chain triglyceride, the main, One that you want, if you were looking at an MCT oil, is the C8, an eight carbon chain. So medium chain means it's like not as long versus like steric acid is an 18 carbon chain, so medium chain. Um, Caprylic acid is that one? Caprylic. C8 MCT oil. Um, It is a smaller water soluble molecule. So it's absorbed directly into the bloodstream and gets converted to ketone bodies much faster or so it's the most ketogenic of any of the fats mm-hmm. that you're going to ingest so um mct oil often accompanies a ketogenic diet because it can help kick you into ketosis right and it'll boost you so the first few hours of my day are water and salt yeah. only and then the next bunch of hours probably four to maybe even six hours from there is fat only yeah um so you know butter and mct oil and stearic acid in my coffee sipping away on that i take a long time to drink it yeah and then first meal of the day is usually like 2 30 ish like mid-afternoon and it's usually some kind of like breakfast foods so yep. like eggs and some kind of meat sort of whatever's left over <laughs> in the fridge yeah three whole eggs like if we have We always have taco beef because our kids will eat a ton of it, like ground beef with taco spices and cheese in it. I'll do like a cup of ground beef, three eggs. Um, If we have like shredded chicken or leftover stir fry or leftover steak, or sometimes we'll make, you know, bacon or sausages or whatever. So it's almost always eggs and some meat. Mm -hmm. Sometimes macadamia nuts. I like a good ounce or two of macadamia nuts in there too. As far as nuts go, the lowest carb. And the lowest in the omega-6 fats, which you've heard me rail about nonstop now. (laughs) Hopefully I've hammered it into your head. Stop eating linoleic acid. Yeah. Higher in the monounsaturated fats. So some healthier ones.
0: Yeah, and I'm pretty much the same. I usually don't eat until sometime between noon and two. When I used to start my coffee process at eight, I would eat around noon. Now I'm closer to two. And yeah, breakfast. So like breakfast is my favorite meal. I can eat the same thing over and over again and I never get sick of it. So I'll have usually four or five eggs depending on how much other stuff I have. Um, Always at least four eggs. Um, I'll have some bacon, usually like three to five strips, Mm -hmm. or sausages, or I'll have like a a half avocado. I always melt probably like a quarter cup or a half cup of cheese on my my eggs. Um, Lots of salt on them. And, yeah, either avocado, bacon, mm-hmm. eggs, something like that. Sometimes leftovers from last night, but it's usually just like its own breakfast meal.
1: Favorite eggs are the free run eggs from the co-op. Yeah. So
0: they're like bright orange. They're, they're crazy. So,
1: yeah. The color on the yolks is like wild. Like sometimes it's such a deep orange, it almost looks red. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just like the color and quality of the egg yolks is like the best I found from anywhere. So we buy them by like three cartons every few days we go through a ton of eggs in this house. Yeah. Uh the bacon we get from True Local. We have the like subscription box which um it just made me think of it. If you ever want to set up a subscription with True Local, they deliver um high quality like meat, fish, you know, beef, whatever pork, want, lamb, yeah. whatever. They have tons of stuff in there from uh they source from like local farmers and ranchers all across Canada. Um, you can use the code true C-F-Brio, T-R-U-C-F-Brio, and they will give you eight free chicken breasts in every box forever. I think it's eight. So that's cool. So you can set up your subscription they give you free chicken. That's awesome. And then, uh, yeah, all this great stuff shows up on your door. You set the subscription length every two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, however yeah. often you want it to show up. <clears throat> Big box or small box. And it's all, like, vac and, like, kind of portioned out for you, yeah. which is great throw it all in the freezer and then just pull it out as needed.
0: Their bacon is great. Bacon's great. Their tenderloins are awesome. It's little
1: tenderloin steaks. I get all of our chicken from there. Yeah. Um, and they come like nicely backpacked in two at a time. So you just grab as many as you need. Yeah. The way I evaluate bacon, if the if the pig has been fed well, the bacon fat will be a solid at room temperature. So if you if you had raw bacon out on your counter and you pick it up and it's kind of like slimy or sort of like falls apart in your hands, that's not a good sign. It should be a nice, solid, thick white fat. Even at room temperature, it should be pretty solid. And so, the stuff we get from True Local seems pretty good. Yeah. So yeah. That's where a aside there, where we get our stuff from.
0: Yeah. So our breakfast is pretty much the same. Mine's just a little yeah. bit more than yours.
1: Yep. Eggs and meat,
0: and then that'll usually carry me over until dinner time. Sometimes I'll have a snack. If I have a snack, it's usually macadamia nuts um, and like some cheese, and then maybe a little bit of meat, but not often not often. Cause I mean, cheese has plenty of protein and, um, I don't need to eat like a ridiculous amount of protein every day. So it's mm-hmm. definitely like some kind of macadamia nuts and cheese, maybe a little bit of meat, but sometimes I don't have that at all. Sometimes I just, I'm good until dinner time. Mm-hmm.
1: And then dinner is like, I mean, I post lots of recipes of different kinds of things that we eat. We don't eat different from our kids. Yeah. People often go well, what am I supposed to cook? Like, no, I just like cook for the family and they just eat whatever yeah. I make. So we do lots of, lots of stir fries, lots of like, you know, taco beef, taco night kind of stuff, um, you they, know, burgers they, and steaks. And
0: they're like number one favorite. The two things are meatballs <laughs> and chicken parmesan. Yeah. <laughs> so chicken marinara. So chicken marinara.
1: I make a crispy chicken coating out of crushed pork rinds and Parmesan cheese. And then sometimes I'll add a little bit of almond flour. I try not to overdo it with the almonds for another reason, Um, but a little bit for that, like, crispy nuttiness Mm -hmm. in there. So they still eat, like, chicken fingers. We make chicken fingers all the time. Chicken Parmesan, right? We, like, slice the chicken breast thin, bread them on both sides, bake them until they're crispy, and then we put, like, um, marinara sauce and melt cheese on top. They love that. Yeah, they would eat that every day. They would eat that every day. (laughs) They basically do. So that's an easy one. Um, chicken breasts in general are too lean. There's not enough fat in them. So what, however you are going to cook them, you have to add some fat to them in some way. So coating yeah. them in pork rinds, um, and topping them with cheese and stuff tends to do it. Yeah. Um, I'll marinate or like brine the chicken in leftover pickle juice. Yeah. So it makes it nice and kind of like little salty tangy vibe to it. The brining helps it hold on to moisture and then make chicken fingers out of that bread it and, yeah. um, convect, bake them so they get nice and crispy dunk them in like an avocado oil mayo sauce of some kind. Yep. Um,
0: We'll have like burgers and like, because the kids are growing, right. And Mm -hmm. so we want them to grow and we want them to be big. So we do let them have more carbs than you or I usually have. So Mm -hmm. for us, you know, we'll maybe make like a stir fry or something and they'll have rice noodles with it. Mm -hmm. And we like, maybe we'll have a little bit or not at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if we're doing like, they're not big steak people and steaks are expense, expensive enough that <laughs> if, they're not gonna, on them. if they're not going to appreciate them, we'll just make them a burger or whatever. So yeah. we'll make them like burger patties and they'll just crush them. Yeah. So it's really pretty, pretty easy to do the same kind of thing for your kids as long as you can get creative mm-hmm. with it. And, you know, we'll probably do a whole podcast just on mm-hmm. making your kids eat healthy. Yeah. But our kids are just used to it now. So they, so, they yeah. like what we have. So. Um, Make
1: rice for them fairly often, but I cook the rice in bone broth. Yeah. So I try to find ways to sneak in more nutrients. So rather than just feeding something that's just like a nutritionally void bunch of starch of like just plain rice, yeah. um, I cook it in bone broth and like stir in a bunch of grass-fed butter and stuff so that like the starch that they are getting comes with a bunch of nutrients. Because yeah. that's kind of the problem with all your carbohydrate foods like bread and pasta and rice and everything is it's like, this isn't that by itself for a growing kid not the worst? It's just so nutritionally bankrupt there's nothing good in it for them so if you can try to at least pair those things together in a way that they get some more nutrients in them
0: yeah um we'll have like i like brussels sprouts a lot you do Mm -hmm. really good brussels sprouts we'll have those sometimes we'll do like often for dinner it's like a a steak and brussels sprouts or chicken marinara and some kind of vegetable and then sometimes we just don't do vegetables we'll do like not a lot of veggies yeah we'll do We'll do potatoes every once in a while because you can do like what is it like six or eight of the mini potatoes and it's still, yeah, like fairly low on the carbs. I find for me, I f- I feel good and stay lean even up to like seventy grams of carbs a day. Like I'm pretty resilient to them, mm-hmm. so I can get away with it more often. If I'm trying to like lean out or whatever, I'll I'll try to stay on the lighter side. But if I just want to maintain and. I can have a little bit more and I'll usually have them in the evening um, because that's the best time of day to, mm-hmm. for me to have them anyways because then I'm not as hungry all day long. Oh, carbs just make me hungry so if I can yeah. like have a little bit at the end of the day and just brush my brush my teeth and be done with eating I'm good to go. Yeah. So we usually try to be done eating by no later than 8 for sure but we're even trying to go a little bit earlier now.
1: Mm-hmm. Like minimum two hours before bedtime. Yeah. You want to be done eating to have like yeah. a good re- restorative sleep. Mm-hmm and not interrupt the, the production of your like growth hormone and testosterone and all that kind of stuff that happens while you sleep. Yeah. So, you know, back to the fasting window kind of thing. I don't eat for the first couple hours when I wake up. I don't eat for the last couple hours when I'm awake. Yeah. You get a full night's sleep and like, well, that's a pretty easy way to do 12 hours.
0: Yeah. It's funny. I was, I was getting my blood done recently and I was in the clinic and they, they ask everybody like, how long have you been fasting for? And I could overhear people saying, and they're like, what time did you eat last night? And so many people were like, oh, about 11 or, oh, about 10 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's no need to eat that late. You know, yeah. like that's that's such an easy thing you can you can change that I think will make a huge difference. Is,
1: and let's be honest, whatever people are eating at 11, probably not good. Guessing it's not steak and Brussels sprouts. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right? I feel like a lot of the bad choices that are made are made late at night, right? Yeah. That's when the snacky foods come out and,
0: yeah. you know, that kind of thing. That's, and, and back to the, like, veggie thing we don't eat a lot of vegetables and you and I have both had our, our blood tested recently mm-hmm. and both of our like, um, like nutrient profiles are Everything's great, fine. right? Yeah. Like totally on the good side of things. So it's not that we're slowly dying because we're not eating <laughs> spinach or whatever, you know, yeah. like we have it sometimes as something we enjoy, but it's not like we're forcing those things to happen.
1: Yeah. I think, um, the nutritional benefit of fruits and vegetables is wildly oversold. Yeah. Not that those things are necessarily like super harmful or no. like bad, you know, people go, is this good or is this bad? And you're like, well, it's kind of all on a, a spectrum. Yeah. Um, I think the nutritional benefit is like way, way, way oversold. You don't have to eat vegetables that you don't like or you don't want to eat. You just eat the ones you like. Yeah. Um, you'll be fine. It's a perfectly natural, you know, ancestrally, seasonally consistent way of eating to like really just enjoy fresh fruits and vegetables
0: Mm -hmm. in
1: sort of August, September, October, when they're fresh from nearby at their peak nutritional value. And you don't really need to worry about buying $9 blueberries in January. It's like, that's not necessary Um, budget wise or nutritionally or there's nothing there that you really need um, to make that a big part. It would be a perfectly normal thing to not eat any, like go outside in Saskatchewan, (laughs) just live here for a year. Yeah. What would you eat all winter? from October to like when would the first edible plant food be available? Maybe June? Yeah. You'd be eating animals. You'd be eating meat and fat. You'd be hunting something and that's what you'd be living off of. There wouldn't be a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables in your life at that time. So it's perfectly normal to not eat a ton of that stuff and definitely not to eat it all year round. I would say enjoy it when it's like good and fresh and seasonal from nearby and then you don't have to like put pressure on yourself to eat a lot of that stuff. Yeah, A couple years into the sort of keto adventure thing, I joined a nutrition challenge and thought, um, I'm going to increase my micronutrients. I was pretty happy with where my macros were at, but I was like, I sh- I'm going to try to get more micronutrients. And I, I thought naively at the time that that meant fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to add vegetables to every meal. I'm going to put spinach in my eggs and I'm going to, you know, red peppers in my, um, my dinner and like all these kind of things, I'm gonna add veggies to everything I eat. And I, it was a 30 day nutrition challenge and I felt awful. Mm. I have not felt worse. That was the worst month I've had. And I, anytime you change what you're eating, there's going to be a rough patch yeah. your digestive enzymes and your gut bacteria has to adjust. So like if you feel gross changing things for like the first week or two, that's normal. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to give this a legitimate fair shot. understand I haven't been eating a lot of vegetables and fiber and that maybe that's why I feel so terrible. Did it for the full 30 days and yeah. went like, okay, I don't need to do that ever again. Yeah. That was the worst. I felt like Low energy. I felt bloated. I felt like brain fog. My like skin was breaking out. It was none of what I thought, and I went into it with this expectation of like I'm gonna be so healthy. Yeah, my skin is gonna glow. Like I'm gonna just feel great. My immune system is gonna be so awesome. Mm-hmm. So I went into it. If there was gonna be a placebo effect in any in any direction, it should have been positive because yeah. <laughs> I went into it expecting to just feel amazing and felt like total trash, mm. and then went like, oh, okay, well, clearly stuffing yourself through full of vegetables is not yeah for me personally anyway. And I welcome anybody to do the same experiment. Yeah. Um,
0: gotta find what works for you. For sure.
1: There's not a lot of nutrients available to you in plant foods that you couldn't find in a better, more bioavailable, less toxic source from an animal food. There's yeah. not many, you need yeah. a little bit of vitamin C, which you can get from fresh meat. You can get an adequate amount, but it, you know, sprinkle it. I mean like it's not like wheat. None. Yeah. A little bit of cauliflower here and there, some Brussels sprouts. I like good, you know, garden carrots when we have them or, yeah, occasional bell pepper or something it's like you're not gonna get scurvy you'll yeah, be fine totally um and then otherwise like iron you know animal foods are much better source um you know we could go on and on about that for like yeah all your b vitamins all your vitamin a like the retinol the animal form that you need is not a like the beta carotene that's in like carrots and sweet potatoes and stuff is not the form that you need you need it retinol which is like liver and meat and eggs and right all that kind of stuff so Definitely one of the things I've learned more recently and through this um, master's degree I'm doing right now is that the bioavailability bioavailability of your nutrients is much, much higher from animal source foods, right. which is kind of against the mainstream narrative right now, which is everything is plant-based and mm-hmm. eat your fruits and vegetables and whole grains. And uh, let me tell you from the inside <laughs> of a moderate graduate program, that's not what they're teaching us now. That's yeah. not what we're learning. Yeah. If anything, some of my assignments lately have been um, it's an American university, right? So it's all U S government and healthcare based and stuff. So they're like, here's the, you know, USDA, my plate food system. Mm-hmm. And the assignment was discuss how nutritionally inadequate this is <laughs> <laughs> and what would be a better research, a better, you know, nutrient system. Cause there's other organizations that have come up with their own type of plate yeah. thing or food pyramid or whatever. So yeah. um, in a modern education program, we're learning all about how incomplete and inadequate those mainstream recommendations are.
0: So for you and I, like we, we are high on the fat, lots of saturated fat. Yep. Pretty good amount of protein. Yep. Quite low on the carbs. Yep. We'll have some vegetables, but not a lot. I'll have, well, you'll have a little bit too, but I'll have some starches, but not a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I rarely eat fruit. If I want like a little sweet snack or something like that, I might have, an apple or half an apple with some peanut butter or something like that, or maybe some like strawberries or whatever, but like, I don't eat a lot of fruit. Mm -hmm. Our kids each eat more of all that stuff. They eat more starches, like more of the rice, more of the noodles, um, more potatoes, except Dash hates potatoes. Um, They'll eat more fruit than we will. And Mm -hmm. Dash will just crush vegetables sometimes. He'll like crush peppers and cucumbers (laughs) and like, he just loves them, right? He loves
1: raw vegetables. He will not touch a cooked
0: vegetable. Yeah, loves, and then Atlas likes cucumbers and stuff oh, too so a he'll eat anything yeah so they just eat a little bit more of the carby stuff but still the same foods mm. both you and I like are, we're weight stable right neither yeah. one of us have really like moved that much in a long time mm-hmm. both of our bl- blood profile like all of our nutrient status is is great yeah and we both feel really good so like yeah. for us it just it's been working mm-hmm.
1: and I will say from like a, m- a mental perspective, I absolutely would not be able to be taking on all the things that I'm taking on right now if I didn't have my like mental clarity mm. in in check. I would not be able to do the program I'm doing right now if I wasn't eating well. And yeah. if I wasn't like eating in an ancestrally consistent way and like mostly on fat. And yeah, if I was trying to run on whole grains and fruits and vegetables and a high sugar diet and all that kind of stuff, there's yeah. no way I could focus enough or <laughs> have yeah. enough mental acuity to be in school as an old person. Yeah, <laughs> and there's I'm, no way.
0: I'm not really doing any of that, but I'm doing. I've I'm on much better fitness routine nowadays, and, yeah. and I feel like I'm as lean as I've ever been, and weight stable, and my fitness is going better than it's ever been. I'm pring things from 10 years ago that yeah. you know, I'm not like.
1: It's much more of a longevity diet. Yeah. It's the kind of. You know, we talked about like cart backloading was like, eh, it can yeah. increase performance, but like, you can't really do that forever. Yeah. You're stealing from the future with that kind of approach. Yeah. Whereas what we're doing right now is like, I feel super sustainable. I don't see any reason why I would ever not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel great I mean, doing this. Yeah. We do have cheat meals from time to time and we'll talk about that on a, a future one.
1: Yeah. We're going to do a whole episode on cheat night done right. How to yeah. manage, you know, not saying that like you have to never have never another
0: treat again, but like spit that bread out (laughs) (laughs) slap it out of your hand
1: yeah i mean and i've on the keto athlete this whole time made no bones about not tried to hide like pretty much every saturday we have a high carb meal and so if you wanted to consider that part of of the success of it is like cycling out of ketosis once a week or you know replenishing muscle glycogen or whatever sure or if you want to say that we've been successful in spite of the cheat days you could think of it either way but i've always tried to be like very upfront and very honest about that That yeah um I'm not in ketosis 100% of the time.
0: Yeah. Another podcast coming soon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Gina. We're going to talk about junk food. We'll just eat a whole bunch of junk while we're doing it <laughs> we too. We just do it. Oh, okay. And then see the thing about this burger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. Food, nutrition. That's eat your the, meat.
0: Eat your meat. Do what we do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or find what works for you. There you go. That's what I want yes. people to do. Experiment. Don't stay dogmatically adhering to any one system, be willing to experiment, be willing to admit when it's not working mm-hmm. and let it go. Yeah. It does not matter if everything everywhere you hear says one thing and something else works for you. Yeah. What matters is what works for you. Totally. If it's the opposite of what we do, that's cool. I yeah. support you in experimenting and finding what works for you. Even in the nutrition research, you know, you think about something will be like 80% of patients saw a benefit from blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. what They're about the 20 other 20%? Per- yeah. You know, maybe you're in the in the outlier for sure. So yeah. um, be your own lab, try things, experiment, be honest with yourself, give yourself some clear metrics of how you're going to judge what working for you means. Right. What does that mean for me? It's stable body weight, ability to do the exercises I want to do stable mood. So I'm not a bitchy asshole to the people that have to live with me, you know, um, good mental clarity and like ability to focus, um, you know, not being, obsessively um, preoccupied with thoughts of food Mm. right like I need my appetite to be in the background because I got other things to do Um, I need to like the food I eat I want to only eat things that I find delicious and enjoyable I think food is great Um, it's a part of the value and experience of life I'm not going to do a diet if it means I have to eat like sad bland diet food I love cooking I love food Um, and I think people that have that mentality of like food is only nutrients it's like (laughs) like you're really missing out on a lot of the beauty and joy of life there you know it's not it's not just i only eat for fuel
0: yeah
1: awesome that sounds super healthy (laughs) must be great in a restaurant real fun (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. No, like like food is yeah part of the culture of being a human being and eating with other people and sharing and you know in the bounty and joy of flavorful delicious things so that's also one of my criteria is i will only eat delicious food i like yeah sounds good yeah so experiment try things yeah find what works cool Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks, guys.